On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. Hello, everybody. Welcome back inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. Hope you're all having a, uh, a wonderful day. I'm pretty pumped to be uh, welcoming back to the show uh, a guy who's been on a few times now, uh, a hockey writer, a hockey historian, uh, a published author. Mike Comito's here. How are you doing today, man? Great, Matt. Thanks for having me back on. It's great to be back. Really glad to... Uh Really glad you made a little time. We got a bunch of stuff I want to touch on with you, but you know how we like to start around here. Uh, what can you share with us today in the world of craft beer from uh, from the near north? So I have in front of me, the it's called Haw Eaters Brew, mm-hmm. and it's uh, from Manitoulin Brewing, and it's a lager, um, and it's been my favorite beer uh, probably for the last little while, especially in the summer. It's just a really like crisp, smooth, like easy drinking lager um and it's it's not too far away manitoulin island is is roughly probably two hours from door to door okay uh so i'd like to still think of it as a local brew um but but yeah it's it's definitely my go-to um i don't know how far their reach is in terms of uh how far they have it in, in lcbo's but whenever i'm at uh my my local store here in Sudbury, it's it's uh it's what i'm loading up on is there much of a scene there in in Sudbury? is there a couple of craft local craft guys around or uh, is it kind of catching on there yeah, no, it has. It's, I, I would say like definitely in the last um, probably like 10 years, we used to have back in the day, and I think maybe we've chatted about this before, but there used to be a, brew, uh, a brewer here in town called Northern Breweries, and uh, there was one in Sault Ste. Marie as well. And they would they they're, the thing that they were known for in my group of friends of a certain vintage was a draft ball. Yes, and it okay. was the equivalent the beer of sphere. <laughs> the beer sphere. So it had 60 beers in it roughly. Uh, it was very affordable because admittedly the product they had back in the day, you know, <laughs> I, I was certainly not a connoisseur in my 20s, but it was definitely, you know, you didn't buy it uh, because of the taste. You bought it because it was affordable and, uh, you know, it was easily transportable in that sphere. So we had a lot of those. But, um, but yeah, I think around 10 years ago, Stack Brewing opened up. And that really kind of revitalized, uh, I think, craft brewing here in Sudbury. Um, you know, not that long after that, there's been some other places in town. Uh, uh, Latitude or 46 North is another great one just down the street from where Stack is. 
We have another place called Spacecraft uh, that does some some in-house bur- uh, brewing in the restaurant as well. Nice. Um, so yeah, there's definitely way more options certainly than when I was in my 20s. So it's great to see that that scene's kind of revitalizing. And certainly on the island, uh, Manitoulin Island, that is, we have Manitoulin Brewing and then Split Rail. So I think within you know in the Sudbury area, we're fortunate enough to have I would think at least you know five to six. Uh, craft brews that I'm aware of. That, uh, that one that you're drinking today does sound like kind of a perfect, uh, you know, summer's winding down, but it's still nice out. It's, uh, you know, to enjoy on a kind of heading into autumn evening like we are right now, man. Sounds like not a bad little beer. Yeah, I find that as summer kind of comes to an end, I, I, I kind of lose my appetite for those really like hoppy IPAs. And right. so um, this is kind of one of those ones where you can kind of drink all year round, but it definitely does, uh, it definitely does taste better on a hot day. I'll say that. Well, we're just, uh, you know, the OHL is, is back in business. The NHL will be ramping back up here shortly. You got another book dropping um, that we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, but what have you been keeping busy with over the summer? No, that's a great question. Uh, it's hard to think back now that basically summer's over. I think it's a little <laughs> sad. Um, yes. but, uh, but yeah, no, this summer was a little bit more relaxing. Um, you know, last summer I basically spent the entire summer or every spare moment that I had writing the book um, whereas this summer I kind of got to just, uh, I was focused on work. Obviously I was able to take some time away from the computer and just kind of, uh, relax with the family. Um, but for the most part, uh, it was just a matter of, I think just getting my, uh, you know, doing my nine to five. Um, I was obviously still keeping tabs and watching the playoffs. Um, I did a little bit of writing here and there, uh, for the Kings, uh, over the course of the summer, but for the most part, it's just kind of the anticipation of getting ready for the book launch later this month. You know, there was definitely some editing, um, some proofing that kind of took up my time until, you know, probably into July and August. So as much as I just said that I didn't really work on the book this summer, <laughs> uh, I was incorrect that I definitely did just not at the pace that I did last year. So it was, uh, it was a different summer. I kind of, you know, I obviously was glad that I wrote the book when I did, but after you kind of go through an entire summer of, of writing, you kind of, you know, you look back and you're like, I don't want to do that again. So at least for a few more years. Right. Um, yeah, we got at least one more period to go here. Um, yeah. did, uh, did I see on Twitter that uh, you had picked up or did some writing for another NHL team this summer? You picked up another one, didn't you? That's right. Yes. So I did. Uh, I got in contact with the New Jersey Devils uh, because they, they obviously drafted Chase Stillman from the Wolves uh, in the first round. And, um, you know, I just kind of reached out to them to say that obviously unless unless he makes the, the Devils out of camp, I think the expectation is that he'll be back in Sudbury this year as, uh, you know, as one of the veterans on the team really to kind of take that next step in his mm-hmm. game. And so I just offered, you know, to in- introduce myself and say that as he develops the season in Sudbury, um, you know, I think I'm in an ideal vantage point to kind of, you know, cover his growth and maybe potentially write something for the website. And they actually just thought that, uh, well, why don't you do something right now? Um, so I, uh, I, I did a story connected with Chase pretty quickly and we just kind of, uh, you know, talked about his philosophy to, you know, to how he approaches the sport and how he's really tried to improve his game and his conditioning over the last year. Um, and so I, I look forward to, to finally watching some Wolves hockey this season again, uh, particularly seeing what he wants to do. I think he's motivated to come back this season and really prove why the Devils took him in the first round. Right. Um, I think the Wolves need him to be, you know, that leader on the team now and really step up and, you know, hopefully become a leader in the league. So, um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing what he does and, and how he improves. And uh, maybe it, it leans a little more into your nine to five than into your hockey work, but I see you've got a podcast of your own now. I do, yeah. Uh, my uh, my friend and colleague Steve Steve Ravel and I started a podcast called The Unlikely Innovators, and uh, we had toyed with the idea, you know, for for a while. Um, I personally had toyed with the idea. Obviously, I'm fortunate that fine folks like you 
invited me onto their podcast. So I haven't had to have my own, you know, for, for, for any reason in the last five years or so. But, uh, we kind of thought that, you know, maybe there was a, a market for, for R and D innovation type podcast. There's not a lot of, uh, podcasts that focus on that in my line of work, at least in the post-secondary education space here in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so we thought it'd be a a good way to kind of introduce some of our listeners to some of the people in the private sector and the public sector in our space uh, who are doing really cool and innovative things. And so uh, we're three months into it now. I think we've done 16 episodes and just really enjoyed it. I think, um, you know, Steve and I have a really great rapport, so I think it makes it easy to kind of do a, a taping or taping or two every week. Right. Um, but I think we've been fortunate enough to have really good and passionate guests that come on and are willing to take the time and share their stories with us. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, I think that's by and large the reason why people continue to tune in week after week is is we try to bring a, a new and exciting guest on to kind of chat about uh, you know what they're doing here in Sudbury or even beyond when it comes to things like entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, so that's the unlikely innovators. If uh, people want to check that out anywhere you get your podcast, you'll be able to find that one. Um, I've listened a little bit. It, some of the stuff's maybe a little a little over my head or outside of my wheelhouse, but, uh, it's a quality show anyway. I like the way it comes off. So, um, Thanks, highly recommend for, uh, for people who might be into such things. Um, let's get to the main event here, man. There's another book coming, uh, a couple of years back when, uh, honestly the show was just starting to get its feet underneath it here and, and get up and running with some guests. You were one of the first people who, who came on to talk about the first, uh, the first book, Hockey 365, Daily Stories from the Ice. And... Um, you've been kind enough to be back several times since as, as your profile has grown, as our show has grown a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and so that's been fun. And it seems like the first book was really well received. I know it was around our house, picked up a few to be stocking stuffers that Christmas. Um, Appreciate that. and, uh, people seem to really enjoy it, but there's another one. Apparently there are enough hockey facts out there f- to fill another, uh, calendar year. So we are dropping this month. Hockey 365, the second period, more daily stories from the ice. Um, where does this idea come from? And I know we've talked a little bit, you know, when you announced that you were doing the idea, you came on and spoke about it, but just to backtrack a little bit, what makes you decide, I'm going to hit this again. I, I think there's enough meat on the bone still to, to run it again. And it, it's got to be a ton of work, man. So like walk us through the decision to, to take another crack at it. Yeah. So, um, admittedly when the first book was published in 2018, I think, you know, maybe not that long after I was already re- emailing the publisher saying, you know, when can we do the second one? Hmm. And they said, let's, uh, maybe let's, uh, you know, get the most of this first book and then we can chat about a sequel. And they said, you know, probably in two to three years is when we would probably want to re- like potentially revisit, right. um, you know, the second book. And it's actually pretty much almost exactly three years since the first one came out. And honestly, the reason why I did it, and I didn't necessarily have a plan of doing it when I did, it just so happened that because of the pandemic and everything so uncertain in the hockey world, um, my writing commitments for the LA Kings and the Sudbury Wolves were pretty much up in the air. Um, And so like, as we kind of continued to, to kind of wait to see what was happening in the hockey world, I pretty much filed my last story, you know, for the Kings in April of 2020. And then my last story for the Wolves had been in February of 2020, of 2020 as well before the season shut down. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was kind of furloughed uh, as a freelancer for both organizations. And I kind of figured, well, now would be the time to do something else. Because obviously, I wasn't expecting to find any other freelancing opportunities with other teams or sites just because they, everyone was in the same predicament. Right. Um, and I thought that, you know, the problem with a, not, not the problem with the book, but like, one of the challenges with the book is that because you have to spend so much time working on it, you know, basically in solitary confinement, 
you don't really get to share it with the world for, you know, sometimes a year or maybe even more than that by the time you're done. Um, and so when you're trying to write a book, it's difficult to do other, you know, immediate uh, outward facing publications like what I was doing for the Wolves and Kings. So I just kind of thought this is the chance to really kind of buckle down and, and see if we can do it again. So I started quietly doing it just by myself. I was writing a page every day in the mornings, usually before I started work, just to see if I still, if, if I had the, you know, the, the urge to keep going, right? Cause sure. I didn't want to lock into something and then start going. So actually I don't want to do this again. <laughs> so I, I think I got through almost two months worth of, uh, of stories. So again, we're talking about two chapters, uh, you know, roughly 60 pages cause each story is, is one page. Mm-hmm. And at that point I contacted the publisher and said, like, I think I'm, I'm good to go. I'm game to do this again. Um, you know, how do you feel about the second period? And so we, we signed the contract officially in August, but, this time around, I had given myself a little more breathing room by starting before I had, uh, before I had put pen to paper. Right. And, um, you know, I, I again made a very regimented, uh, schedule that took me to January of 2021 to get it all organized. Mm. Uh, so yeah, basically after that it was go time and I was writing every day, basically for six months straight. Um, I think the only days I took off were, were Christmas um, and New Year's Eve and maybe the odd day or here or there if I got ahead of my, uh, my, my schedule I had created. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a ton of work because, you know, as you do these book writing projects, you start to realize that a lot of the facts that I think you take the liberties with posting on Twitter, um, <laughs> you have to be, you have to do your due diligence when it's going into a book, right? So I've, I've looked back on tweets that I've posted over the years that obviously serve as the inspiration of some of these stories and you quickly realize that, hey, maybe that didn't happen on that day or this didn't happen exactly how I've suggested it happened in a 280 word uh, or 280 character tweet. So there's a lot of research that goes into it. But to be honest, I had a lot of fun doing it this time. I think because I've writ- I had written the first book before, I knew what the process was like. Um, and because of that, I think I was able to go into it with, uh, with my eyes wide open and really kind of enjoy the process. Whereas the first time around, I had never written a book before. I had a really insane schedule. I had to do it in six months. So not that different from this one, but because everything was new the first time around. Um, and I had a new, new baby at the time. It was just, uh, it was a bit of a whirlwind. I was, you know, I was obviously happy with the product at the end, but it was an insane six months. And I think this time I was able to kind of catch my breath and really enjoy the process a little bit more. You referenced there, your, your Twitter account for people who aren't following it's at Mike Comito. It'll be uh, in the show notes and, uh, we'll obviously be sharing this episode around on our Twitter at tall can audio. Uh, we are talking to Mike Camito. The new book is called Hockey 365, The Second Period, More Daily Stories from the Ice. Uh, I probably ha- I haven't hit this yet. Tell us the uh, the release date before we go any further. Yeah, so it officially comes out uh, September 28th, although um, I had my copies in hand sometime <laughs> in mid-August. So I was actually, it was kind of unexpected. The book was officially printed sometime in early August, and so I got my, uh, my contractual copies a few weeks later. So it's been kind of fun to... Uh, to have the books. I've been selling some of the copies that I have. So as much as the book is not officially released right now, um, there's definitely people who have copies and, <laughs> and hopefully they're reading it. And, uh, you can pre-order now I've seen as well in, uh, yeah. your favorite online spots and, uh, and don't, uh, don't hesitate to mention it. If you go to more of your, a local bookstore person, which we all really should be, if we can be, and just, you know, if you're talking to somebody who works there, Hey, you guys getting any copies of, uh, hockey 365, the second period never hurts to, to plant the seed somewhere, make sure, uh, there's some demand for it. Um, what is, take me through the, cause obviously when you did this the first time you said, you know, you didn't know necessarily you'd be doing a second one. So I imagine 
when you went through it and, and wrote the first one, you sort of picked between the most interesting things that happened on each day. Was there a time, maybe in the dog days of summer when you're trying to find facts or like, did it seem like you had less to work with this time or is there more interesting hockey stuff out there that maybe we're aware of on each day of the year? Yeah, no, that's, I, I definitely, when I wrote the first book, you know, I think knowing what I know now that there's obviously plans to do at least a third, right. um, if not more, that there's enough hockey history to sustain multiple volumes. But certainly, I think when I did the first book, I tried to pick probably some of the more interesting or significant stories mm-hmm. be- because I obviously knew that I wasn't going to be able to use those again because they appeared in the first book. Um, I did kind of have a, a bit of a challenge to find different stories. But I think what I benefited from was learning more hockey history in the last three years, definitely, you know, finding different incidents or episodes that have happened, you know, that I didn't highlight in the first book. So like over the years, since the first book was released, like I would make notes that, you know, this, this needs to be included. Or as I added to my, uh, my Twitter account, which posts those daily, you know, moments in hockey history that I would, it, it continues to grow every year. And I add new things, you know, I'm taking from the archives, but I'm also adding new things every year when, when something notable happens. Right. And so I think because of that, I still had a lot to work with. I think for this book, I tried to be, you know, stick true to the significant moments, but I think I had a little more fun in picking some more quirky moments in hockey history. And so because those weren't selected in the first book, I pretty much had my pick of, of ones that I wanted to include. And then I think ultimately, you know, as much as I think we would all have, uh, you know, not something that we all wanted or, or expected at the time, but because of the pandemic, um, you now all of a sudden had meaningful NHL games being played in, in August and September, right? right? So as much as I tried to make sure that it wasn't too heavy on, uh, you know, pandemic hockey moments, I, I was obviously, I think I had to include, you know, the return to play in August. There was a couple Stanley Cup moments between, you know, the stars and the lightning in September of, of, of 2020. So I included those. Um, but I think, you know, when it comes to the dog days of summer, I have always said that, you know, sometimes they are, they're, the moments are, they're few and far between on a given day, but I find that all you have to do is find one and then you're able to kind of go in a different direction, right? Because obviously you're not going to fill a page on, you know, they signed a contract on this day because obviously sure. after they signed the contract, nothing else happens, right? But it gives you the ability, I think, as a writer to go back and say, well, what did they do in their career leading up to that moment? Or why did that signing happen? Was there anything interesting about the the signing that led them to that team? Sure. And then certainly other than that, you know that after that signing, things worked out or didn't work out, uh, depending on the player. And you can kind of go forward in time and say, you know, that signing was was great. It led, you know, the Hurricanes to the Stanley Cup final or you know, that signing proved to be uh, one that the team would have liked to have back because they bought him out five years later or something, right? So, um, I yeah, I've always relished those dog days of summer moments because it allows you, I think, to get outside the box. Whereas when you're doing, uh, you know, a score in a hockey game or this goal was scored on this day, like you, as much as you're, you are fairly confined, constrained to that actual moment, right? Certainly, you can kind of go back and forth between that player's, you know, history or the team's history before that game, but if you're trying to describe a notable goal or a notable play, you really kind of have to invest enough time into that. And because each story is like 350 words maximum, after you've done that, you really don't have a lot of wiggle room to play with. So you really are kind of focused on that actual moment uh, versus, you know, kind of being able to, you know, paint an entirely different picture. 
Um, coming up this, uh, this February, we have an Olympic games in, uh, in Beijing. So international hockey will be on the mind of everybody, both on the men's and women's side. Uh, every year we of course get the world juniors. Did you mainly stick to the NHL or is there some international stuff we can look forward to in this as well? Yeah, no, there, there is international stuff actually. And I think more so than in the first volume, I think in the first volume I had one international story. Or no, sir, that's not true. There was definitely, there was a few of them, mm-hmm. but they were focused on world championships um, and the World Cup of hockey. Okay. Whereas in, in this time, I included uh, three different Olympic hockey moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had the women's gold win in 2002. Uh, I had also the men's gold in 2002. And then, of course, uh, the golden goal in 2010. Right. Um, and then I had, uh, I had the, world, uh, the World Cup of hockey in, in 2016, the, re- the revival of that event. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely try to, as much as the, I think it's called Hockey 365, it is still largely about uh, the NHL. Um, but I have, I think, made an effort this time around to include more international games and then more games from women's hockey history. Although um, certainly I think I, I don't up to the fact that it's still predominantly focused on men's hockey in the sure. NHL. But I have tried to, to inject some of those stories when I can. You referenced when you were on the f- the first time you came on and talked about the book, and I may actually be wrong about that. It was probably the second time you came on. Uh, the first time that you saw the, because I think the first time you came on, the book wasn't quite out yet. And uh, the second time you would have been on, it had come out. And I, you mentioned this idea of being able to to go with your family and actually see it. Like you, you already had a copy that the publisher would, have, but to go see it in a bookstore and mm-hmm. see that that's, you know, all this time, all this hard work, all this effort that's gone into it. And there it is. It's on the shelf. Now people are going to buy this. People are going to enjoy this and the pride that goes into that feeling. And you referenced a few minutes ago that you have your first few copies now, uh, in your hand from the publisher and it will be on, uh, on store shelves soon enough. Is the feeling any different this time? Is it, is there, you know, any more or less satisfaction? Is it a more experienced kind of way of taking this in? I know you haven't had a chance to see it on the shelves yet, but what's that feeling been like to actually hold it in your hand this time compared to the first time? I, yeah, I, I think it, I don't think it uh, diminishes at all. And I think this time around, it was just as exciting, um, if not more. Um, I think also by virtue of the fact that we have a number, another member of the family now. So my daughter, Sophia, was born in in March of 2020, just before Ontario went into its first lockdown. The day before, actually. Wow. <laughs> um, so that's been a wild ride. But but it's I, yeah, I think you're you're spot on. When you know, after hours and hours of working on this, basically by yourself and not really showing it to anybody except for for the publisher. Once you start to work with the editor, mm-hmm. um, it's the first moment when you can actually like share it with your family and have them look at it and say this is really cool. And even my, you know, my five-year-old daughter, obviously we read a lot with her. She appreciates and understand books. And, you know, the, she always talks about how she loves those little author photos they have in her children's books. And, right. And this time around, I have a photo in my book. So like I, now I have the, the author photo, right. And we <laughs> talk about that, but um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, seeing the words on the page and seeing it all come together is, is certainly one thing. I think the other thing that is, you know, is great is when, there's always that scary moment that when it comes time for the book to be promoted, like you have to typically reach out to people to read it in advance and potentially offer their thoughts on the book. Right. And so that's always a nerve wracking time because certainly you and the publisher are invested in the project and you wouldn't move forward with it if in the beginning, if they didn't think there was any merit in it, but it's a whole different can of worms. Once you start to give it to people 
who don't necessarily know you or maybe don't know you that well right. for them to say, yeah, this is a really good book. I recommend it. I loved it. Right. And so I think those are, I think that's a really validating period as well as when those endorsements start to come back, especially from folks within the hockey world that I really respect and admire for them to even have a taken, you know, a fraction of their time of their day to even have a look at it mm-hmm. means the world to me, but that for them to offer, I think such uh you know, such nice things to say sometimes that that really kind of goes a long way and makes you really realize that all the work that you've done over the last, you know, year was, was worth it. Right. And you can't wait to share it to other people who want to read it. But I think, yeah, for sure. There's nothing quite like opening that box for the first time, seeing that cover, um, seeing your name on it and then being able to flip through with your family. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, man, just this lonely maybe is overstating it you'll you'll tell me if i'm wrong but just it's a solo project for as long as all yep. those hours it's just words on a computer screen right or and then there it is it's a physical thing now you can hold in your hand and go this is actually happening it's coming out i just i can't imagine the the journey that you go through before it gets and then yeah i didn't even consider the the fear or or whatever of oh my god are they going to like it when you finally do get to release it out into the world right like it's it's quite a journey yeah no again and i it is it is i wouldn't say lonely because i love it so much that i think i was always sustained by having to finish it but yeah it is like you are by yourself for uh, you know especially the first six months right because your editor doesn't see it until you've submitted the the you know the final manuscript or the first half of the manuscript and then the second half so like it's really you on an island you know mm-hmm. for that first six months saying like does this make sense like how are they gonna does am i does am i on the right track like do these stories sound good is this or is anyone else gonna want to read this right and so you know, I would share the odd story with my with my family members. My mom is obviously a huge Leafs fan, so there was quite a few, you know, Dougie Gilmore stories in there that who was her favorite player. So, like, I would share those with her, and she would obviously tell me they were good because she's my mom and she's my biggest cheerleader. Sure, but um, but it's a yeah, again, it's a whole other you know story once you start to share it with people outside of your inner circle. Um, but yeah, it's it's all worth it in the end, and I think you know we wouldn't have gone down this road if we didn't see uh, you know any value in, in doing it all over again. We're talking to Mike Camito. The book is called Hockey 365, The Second Period, More Daily Stories from the Ice. Uh, it's coming out September 28th in bookstores, uh, online, Amazon, wherever. Uh, is it going to be a Kindle edition? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. Perfect, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you can take it wherever you want on your phone. It's easy to be, you know, if you someone who commutes or whatever, you can kind of blow through a page a day or on your bus or whatever's going on. It's, it's really a great, um, you know, I kind of, because the first time that, uh, with your first book, I knew I was going to be talking to you. I didn't really do it day by day. I kind of blew through as much of it as I could ahead of time. So I knew what I was going to be talking to you uh, about and then sort of, you know, was able to slow down afterwards, take it kind of a day at a time, uh, which I think is kind of a neat way to, to do it. Right. And we joked the first time that leave it on the back of the toilet, right. And sit down first thing yeah. in the morning, read your, uh, your one page and carry on. Um, I know a lot of the guys who listen to the show really enjoy that way of, uh, or that, uh, that pace of it, right? It's, it's not something that you sit down and it's big, long chapters and you're held to it. You, you flip through and go, oh, that's kind of interesting and close it up and check it out tomorrow, wherever you have it sitting while you're having breakfast or on the bus or train or whatever's going on. Uh, Mike, I'd be remiss. The leaf season's starting up here pretty soon. Um, are you optimistic? Cause it was kind of a rough ride out of the playoffs again. Uh, Leafs Twitter burned to the ground, which it'll do on any Tuesday night after a loss to Ottawa, I guess. But this was particularly heinous in terms of the way things, uh, the way people were feeling. Um, are you down on the Leafs at all? Are you ready to see them fire back up? What do you think of them this season? Oh, Matt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where uh, you know in the moment, it's I, I, you would like to pretend that like you're surprised when it happened. Yeah. Um, but I think you know as a lifelong Leafs fan, I of course had in the back of my mind this picture that of course they're going to lose this series <laughs> to the Kings, right? So like as much as part of me was like, well, of course they should win this. You know, they're up with a commanding lead. Yep. Um, I had fully expected you know it to go off the off the track, right? And certainly I think you know you had Tavares not left. You know, when he did, like, maybe it'd be a whole different conversation, but that's not the way hockey works, right? So when they were eliminated, I was obviously disappointed. I had joked that uh, are the crack in accepting new fans. And, <laughs> you know, I was, of course, you know, greeted with responses from people I don't know on Twitter saying, like, typical Leafs fan, not knowing the fact that I was entirely kidding and that right. any, you know, you know, dyed-in-the-wool uh, Leafs fan is coming back regardless, right? So. Um, I think I needed some time away though. Um, I know that in that's in the summer I had it's a like couple a, it's like an abusive relationship almost, right? Like I just, yeah. we need to take a break. Like I need to just get away from it for a little yeah. while. Cause I, I had, uh, you know, um, offside hockey talk with, uh, with James Roberts. He's, he's had me on a couple of times. And I think at one point in the summer he had asked me to come on to talk about the Leafs. And I said, I appreciate the invitation, <laughs> but I'm just not interested right now. Like I need to take a break from, from yeah. them. And at that point I was, uh, you know, kind of focused on the editing process, which was kind of in full swing at the time when the playoffs were going on. And so, you know, it's, I, I, I'm optimistic going into it. I'll say cautiously optimistic. Um, obviously I think losing Hyman hurts, but I think given the ticket that he got with the Oilers, it was never something that was going to be right. viable or something that I think I would have wanted given the, you know, his, his style of play and, yep. and how, and how hard he is on his body. Um, but I, I like the moves that, that Dubas did over the summer. Again, I think they're kind of around the margins, but I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm ready to get hurt all over again. I just, <laughs> it's, there's never any concern about them play, performing in the, in the regular no, season, right? Yeah. Obviously they're in a really competitive division. So like, they're not going to be able to take their foot off the gas by any means, but I don't know. I, I think we're just all kind of waiting to see when does that spark kind of like ignite in the playoffs, right? Cause I think back to that Montreal series and I probably shared that tweet, but I, I'll try to describe it as much as I can so that you and the listeners can, can remember it. But there's that moment when, when Austin Matthews is getting horse collared and he's got this like grin on his face yep. as if he knows that he's not going to engage and he's going to draw, you know, a penalty and, and the Leafs will go on the power play. But like after, and in the moment I'm thinking, oh, this is hilarious. Like, look at how he's reacting. And then after they get eliminated and you kind of think about it and you ruminate on it a little bit more, you're like, I wish that he, instead of doing that, he just turned around and would have clocked that guy. And like, <laughs> you're waiting for like, where, when does that fire come out in some of these guys? Right. Because at the end of the day, like that, if you look at how they played, you know, and you can talk about players being injured and, and things like that, but you just need you need to see more of that intensity. I think come out in the playoffs, right? So maybe this was the thing that finally you know put them over the edge. They've realized that how they've been playing the last several years in the playoffs is not good enough anymore at that at that time of the year. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is the year that they flip the switch. Um, but again, only time will tell. And I'm, yeah, I've, I've been down this road in, enough to know that, you know, maybe it's not the year and we're still in for another uh, season of hurt, but hopefully not. Um, I, I think, you know, longtime Leaf fans like you and I, and like several of our listeners here, and, and I, I can sympathize with the, the turning down of invitations. I accepted a couple invitations. I, I'm living here in Ottawa and uh, a couple Ottawa hockey podcasts wanted me to talk about the Leafs and they were, they, they were kind of merciless, Mike. It was kind, they were <laughs> kind of hard on me when I went on there, but you know, the, they're going to have to prove it in the playoffs. We all know that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
I'm with you. I think they'll have a good regular season, but it's not really going to matter until we see what they do in the playoffs. But that said, I'm reading a ton online of people saying, I don't even care. I'm not even going to be able, not I don't care anymore, but I, I, I don't care about the regular season at all. I won't be able to enjoy it. I'm just sitting there annoyed waiting for the playoffs. Are you there yet? Like, I kind of feel like, I don't know, it's still sort of a, a six-month soap opera that you follow, right? That's, you know, kind of night to night. How are they doing up and down? And I do still kind of feel like, while I understand completely that they're not going to be able to prove anything until uh, the playoffs, you still watch the games because you enjoy them, right? And you want to sort of get swept up in a big comeback or a great goal or something mm-hmm. like that. Are you that soured or do you think you'll be able to still enjoy the season for what it is? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I certainly know that I'm going to temper my expectations. I'm not going to get too worked up by a loss in October or November because it's obviously it's a marathon, not a track, like not a sprint. Right. Yeah. So I'm obviously going to be mindful of that. But I certainly I'm excited to watch, you know, hockey on Saturday nights. I'm hoping to, you know, this year be able to I would love to go to a game this year again. So, like, I'm willing to spend money on, on yeah. seeing the Leafs play. Right. So and if short of that, I'm willing to spend my time you know, watching them whenever I can throughout the week, but certainly it's must, much watch, must watch TV in our house on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I think initially, you know, I think we were all soured on it, but you know, I, I bounced back pretty quickly and, yeah. you know, I'm definitely at the point now where I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I guess that Amazon series comes out, uh, oh, just God. before the season starts. So <laughs> yeah. that'll, that'll make for some interesting fodder before things get underway. But again, I'm, you know, when, when I heard about that documentary, when the season ended, it's like, well, obviously I don't want to watch that because I know what happened, but I am curious to see what's in there that we might get a glimpse at. Um, I'm not, you know, banking on a lot that's going to be revealed that I think we're not already aware of, but that being said, I think I'm all the way back that, yeah, like I can't wait for October 1st to see that and then bring on, you know, the regular season, not that long after. I think, yeah, a lot of the people online barking the loudest will be right back there with every win and loss that up and down. It's just what happens, right? Uh, The book is Hockey 365, the second period, more daily stories from the ice. If there's anything yet, Mike, that I haven't asked you or something that you think people should know about this one, uh, it's coming out September 28th. Tell us uh, anything else you think you'd like people to know about this one. No, I think you, I think you covered it. The only thing I'll just reiterate again is that, uh, you can pre-order it now. Um, like, a, like Matt mentioned, if you, if you like going to your local independent bookstore, just go in there and ask them to pre-order it for you. They will probably gladly do it. Otherwise you can get it from from Indigo here in Canada, Amazon. You can buy directly from the publisher. It's Dundurn Press. So you can always go to their website as well. Um, and then hopefully as it gets closer to the release date, um, I'll try to offer some opportunities to, to, to send some folks some signed copies. I just have to figure out uh, the, the postage. That's always the, the trick, right? Is people <laughs> want these signed copies and I'm happy to send them, but it's like, I don't know how much to charge for shipping, right? right. So I think once I've kind of got that all locked in and, and sorted out, then I think I'll be a little bit more uh, more open to that. But yeah, I think that's, I think we've kind of covered a lot of it. So yeah, September 28th, um, check out your local bookstore. And uh, I hope you've got me on that list for uh, people who want the, uh, the signed coffee. We we got the the first one sitting here on the bookshelf right above the uh, the microphones and everything. So we got to add the second one here. So we'll sort that out yeah, as I come. Happy bet. to pay for shipping. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, really appreciate you doing this, Mike. It, I, I'm excited to read the second one. I love the fact that it's coming out, um, you know, right before hockey season. Um, 
you know, also right before the holidays, that's not a bad thing either. Um, you know, kind of a great thing here for, for any of our listeners. Uh, we've picked up a lot since the first book came out. Um, you know, it's, it's an awesome stocking stuff or an awesome Christmas gift or a great thing for yourself just to kind of pass a little time each day. Um, yeah, just kind of these little each day of the year. There's a different little story on uh, on hockey history. So very cool, Mike. Appreciate you doing this, man. Really, uh, really glad you came on. We were able to touch base again. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure, Matt. It's great talking to you as always. Uh, he is on Twitter at uh, Mike Camito, and we will share all those uh, pre-order links in the show notes and uh, on our social media feeds. Uh, make sure you check this one out. You're really going to enjoy it. For Mike Camito, my name is Matt Robinson. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, and I hope you'll subscribe wherever you're listening right now. We will see you all next time. It is over! Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.